Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Okay, so turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, and if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. We have those at the info area, Matthew chapter 5. We're in week number two of a series that we're calling On Mission, and the big idea of this series is this, that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've made that decision, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are on mission. And the Bible is very clear that once you've made the decision to follow Jesus, you now have an assignment to help as many people as possible make the same decision that you did, to share your faith, to share Jesus. And none of us are in our city, are in our jobs, our families, our friend groups, our schools, Our neighborhoods, our apartment complexes, the coffee shops that we hang out in, the business trips that we take, that none of the places that we go that we're there on accident. That God has placed us in those places to make a difference. And here's what we want you to understand in this series, that it doesn't matter your personality type. It's not just for the loud, outgoing, gotta have all the attention, me, 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 extroverts. It's also for us introverts. Come on, come on, where you at, introverts? This is for you. This isn't just for a certain personality type, but that all of us, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are on mission in this series is your official invitation to get in on the action. And last week, we kicked off this series with a very foundational message of this series where we answered, why is it so important? Because before we talk about how, we need to understand why it is so important to live on mission. If you missed that message, you can actually go back. We have an audio podcast, both on Apple and Spotify, so you can catch up if you missed that. But the next two weeks, we get to talk very practically, and we get to dive in on the how. So the next two weeks, we're going to talk about how to live on mission. And so today, if you're taking notes, I want to answer this question. So what do I do? What do I do? How do I intentionally live my life in a way that's on mission? And here's the truth. The greatest influence we can have on the world is how we live our lives. In fact, what I believe is that people will reject what we preach until they see how we live. So it's really important for us to understand, like, what do I do? How do I live? And we're going to start this conversation in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14, where Jesus is talking, and he says this. He says, you, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, let how you live, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, I I grew up in church. Specifically, I grew up in what I call old school church. Anybody grow up in old school church? You grew up in old school church, okay? Now, I grew up in a church where we had what we called 
vacation Bible school, okay? Anybody grow up in vacation Bible school? You know, some old school VBS, which, by the way, I still think that this is the, actually the worst name in the history of church. I do. I mean, think about it. It's definitely not really school, and it's absolutely not a vacation. I just want to know, like, what was the creative meeting like in that, where it was like, you know what, we, we're going to do this thing for kids, and we're going to teach them all about Jesus. Anybody got any, like, suggestions for names? Let's just spitball a little bit, and let's throw some names on the whiteboard. And somebody said, Vacation Bible School. And everybody was like, yes, yes, that's it. And now, decades later, it's still sticking. Um, for me, like, it, it is, I think it's the, the worst name thing in church history. Um, but at VBS, we would always sing this song that was based off of these verses in Matthew chapter 5 called This Little Light of Mine. Where you would stick up your finger like E.T. And he's saying, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Come on, church. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. I'll sing it out for everybody. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Oh, yeah. All the Christians are like, yes. All the, like, if you didn't grow up in church, you're like, oh, my gosh, what are they doing? <laughs> Um, and so we would sing this song, This Little Light of Mine. And now, after 20 years of following Jesus and 15 years of serving in full-time ministry, it really dawned on me how theologically inaccurate that song is. Like, we've been teaching our sweet little precious children heresy for all these decades. Because Jesus doesn't say in Matthew chapter 5 that you have a little light. No, Jesus says that you are the light. And I I love this, this translation in the message. It's actually a paraphrase where it says, you're here to be light. Bringing out, I love this, the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill, if I make you light bearers. You don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm I'm going to put you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. And here's why it's so important for you to understand, like, who Jesus says you are. Here's why it's so important. Because when you know who you are, you will know what to do. That's why it's so important for us today to grasp the fact that Jesus says, here's who you are. That you are a light because when you know who you are, that you're a light, you will know what to do. You'll know to shine bright. And so it's so important to be able to understand that. But here's one thing that I know. I don't know about you, but when I turn on the news, when I scroll through social media, I see a lot of darkness in this world. But here's what I've learned. I've learned that even though it seems like there's a lot of darkness, light defeats darkness every single time. Let me prove it to you. In fact, I've asked our team if they would just shut all these lights off. Just shut them all down. We're just going to shut them all down, okay? So if you notice right now, if you were to compare the amount of darkness compared to the amount of light, that darkness would far outweigh the light. 
And as much as we want to, if we, I ask the team, I want to make it as dark as possible as we could in here, that there's still different lights that are coming up. There's lights that are coming from the windows. There's lights that are coming from your phone. There's lights that are coming from this iPad right in front of me that's glowing, these glowing notes that are right in front of me. But here's what I know is that maybe you're here and you find yourself at church today and this is what it feels like in your day-to-day life. This is what you, this is like the feeling that it feels like. Like if, if there could be a metaphor of what your life looks like at your job, it would be this. I feel like I'm surrounded by darkness. I don't know anybody that's living for God. I feel all alone. Maybe for some of you, this is what it's like to be at your school. That right now, maybe on your college campus, and it feels like nobody is living for God. And it just feels like compared, the darkness far as outweighs the light. Maybe for some of you, this is even the home that you're in. And it just feels like, man, the darkness far as outweighs the light. But I want to encourage you today that light always wins. That if you see, even right here, that right here, this light that this iPad is producing, that no matter how much a room full of darkness, that even this little bit of light can defeat that darkness. In fact, I'll put it this way, that a little bit of light defeats a whole lot of darkness every single time. And church, as they start to turn these lights back on, let me tell you what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, that you are the light of the world. So when you know who you are, you will know what to do. So now that you know who you are, let me tell you what to do. Let me give you four things to answer that question. What do I do? And here's the first one, and it will sound so so elementary, but I, but I promise you, it's so crucial. The first is to genuinely love God. That is so important for us to genuinely love God. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus gets asked, Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Out of all the things, what is the most important? And Jesus, here's his answer. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second, I can't leave this out because it's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So everything hinges on these two things. So they come to Jesus and they say, so what's the most important thing? And he says, love God. And then they probably start to walk away. They're like, and love people. you got to put them together. It's love God and love people. And it's really important to know that in the New Testament, there are four different Greek words that are are all translated love in our English language. That's why in our English language, we use the same exact word for like a restaurant and our wife and God. Like like we, we use the same exact word. But in Greek, there's all these different words that are all translated love. And so let me put all four of these on the screen just for a second, just so you can see. These are the, the Greek words. And so the first one is eros. It's a romantic love. It's a love that I have for my wife. It's, it's a romantic love. It's lovey-dovey. It's eros. And then there's another one that's called storge, and that's a family love. And it's a, it's a family bond that's between like parents and children, brothers and sisters. And then there's a phileo love, which is a brotherly love. In, in other words, it's, a, it's like a friendship love. 
It's where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So that's where we get it. And then there's this one more that's agape, which is this unconditional love. See, this love is chosen. And here's the thing about this love. It has nothing to do with the goodness or the response or the performance of the other person. It's the type of love, get this, that God has for you. And I know that because of what he did through Jesus. It's this unconditional love that it doesn't matter what you do, he still extends it. And so when you read Matthew chapter 22, guess which one it uses? We'll read it again. And this time it'll be in it, where Jesus says, after asked, what's the most important thing? He says, you must love, and that's the agape. It's the same love that God has for you. In return, you give it back to him. He says, this agape, this unconditional love, you got to love God that way. And here's what it looks like with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, but a second is equally important. So you should love There's that word again, agape. You should unconditionally love your neighbor as yourself. That means that you must unconditionally love, get this, all people. That means people are never projects. That means that every person is your neighbor, no matter their gender, their race, financial status, sexual orientation, religion, what neighborhood they live in, how they vote, or even which side they fall on in the Crosstown shootout. See, that means loving people the way that God loves you. And here's what I believe. Because Jesus said it, that loving God and loving people are both important. They're both equally important. But you can't do the second one without doing the first one. You can't unconditionally love all people with the same love that God has for you unless you genuinely love God. See, that's the real motivation that fuels living a life that's on mission is that it's our jobs to be as close to God as we possibly can relationally so that we get so filled up with this love that it just starts spilling out on everything and everybody around us. It's this overflow type of life. That when we love God so much, we can't help but love other people. And so it affects like how you go to work. And it affects whenever you go to work. And it's like, I love God so much. And it, it affects how I am as an employee. How I treat my coworkers. That I'm not like everybody else, stabbing people in the back so that I can climb the corporate ladder. No, no, no. I have integrity in my job. That, that it affects me as a student. That when I go, you know, all these other people may be doing this, but I live my life like this. I'm a firm believer that Christians should be the best employees and the best students in the whole wide world. I'm not saying the smartest, but I say the best. <laughs> and it should affect how we treat people. It should, we should love God so much that it starts spilling out on every person. It should affect our families, and it should affect how we treat our kids and our spouse and our friends. And it should, and get this, strangers, people that we don't know. It should affect all those things, this, this agape love. See, I want to live my entire life in a way that it's so obvious that I'm in love with God, that it makes people far from God hungry. 
Meaning, I want to live my life in a way where other people notice. They're like, whatever he's got, whatever he's smoking, I want it. <laughs> I'm like, nothing. I love God. I want to live my life in a way that people notice. See, I don't want to live my life in a way where people that are far from God, that I'm making them mad or upset or I'm offending people left and right. I want to make people far from God hungry. I think that starts with genuinely loving God. Then here's number two. Really care about people. See, the first two are internal. They're the things that if they're not right, everything else is a show. So you got to genuinely love God. And then two, you got to really care about people. See, all throughout the Gospels, which are the first four books of the New Testament that tell the story of Jesus, you'll see this pattern of Jesus having compassion for people. You'll see it. And let me just give you a few examples. In Matthew chapter 14, it says this in verse 14. When Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion. He cared. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. In, in Matthew 15, verse 32, Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. And then the last, Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, Jesus, he had compassion on them. And he touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. And you see this pattern in these three scriptures and many more. You'll see that Jesus, he sees lost, broken, hurting people that are in need. And not only does he see them, when he sees them, he has compassion on them. In other words, he really does care, which leads him to do something about it. And get this, we follow that Jesus. That's who we follow. So when you look at the city that we call home, and you see stats like this, one out of three people living in poverty. And of that, of kids, 45%, it's even higher, live in poverty. A crime rate, three times that, the national average. A heroin addiction epidemic that is, for many, resulting in overdosing and people losing their life. The fifth most segregated city in the United States. And that's just the social stats. But when you dive into the spiritual stats, you'll see 34% of the population are completely unchurched. And of that, People that are 40 years and younger is 52%. And here's what I want us to get, church. Those is so much more than just a Google search. It's so much more than just stats about a city that we call home. See, those stats, those numbers are people. Real people. With names and stories. These are real kids that are going to bed hungry. These are real people bound so tight in addiction. These are real people that are far from God and not going to heaven. And let me ask you a tough question. I've had to look myself in the mirror and ask myself this week, do I care? Do you care when you see that? Is there anything, do you have, like Jesus, compassion? Do you really care? Because I can tell you this right now, I don't want to be so busy and so distracted and so selfish that I don't care, that I don't see. In fact, 
I was thinking this week that I don't want to be so busy building a church that I don't see people. And do you care? Because I want to follow the pattern of Jesus. That when I see lost, broken, hurting people in need, then I have compassion. I really care. That leads me to do something about it. I love this quote from John Maxwell. He says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's so important for us to really care about people. Here's the third one. It's to intentionally add value to people. So now we're starting to talk about what we do. How do we live? What are the decisions we make? And I want to just encourage you to intentionally add value to people. That before I share my faith, before I share Jesus, I'm going to add value. Which then earns me the right to share my faith. And so practically, write this down. See a need, meet a need. That's one of the best ways that I can encourage you to do that. Just see a need and then meet a need. And here's the truth. Everybody needs something. Everybody. You need something. I need something. Including those that seem like they got everything. Even those people, they need something. Every single one of us needs something. You see, every person has physical needs. So that's one. So that if you can go around and say, what are the physical needs? So that's like food and water, safety, shelter, clothes, just air. It's like these survival needs. It's coffee. It's things that we all need, you know. These, these, everybody has physical needs. And if somebody doesn't have these needs met, listen, don't share Jesus with them first. That if somebody has those needs, meet the need. That if somebody was hungry, don't sit there and tell them about the bread of life. Give them a piece of bread. Like, give them some food, then give them Jesus. That's why we do things like I love my city. That if, you've, if, you, if you haven't heard about that, that's something that we do every single first Saturday of every month. Where we organize people in our church. That maybe it's like your thing is to serve people and to go be the hands and feet of Jesus. And to go meet tangible needs all around our city. And like, that's something that maybe if you're like, man, I would love to be a part of that. We organize people and we go all around our city and we love and we serve people with no strings attached. And we just try to meet needs. And we do that every single month because that's a big deal. Here's why. Before we earn the right to share Jesus with our city, we have to love and serve and meet the needs in our city. It's really important because here's what we believe. Meeting physical needs opens spiritual doors. And so it will open up the doors for us to be able to share Jesus whenever we, because every person has these physical needs, but every person also has what I call affection needs. Affection needs. You need it, I need it. See, every person has this need to be loved and appreciated and valued and praised and needed and known. Every person, you know, every person needs to feel that. So I want to encourage you. To be a church that, you know, hey, slow down and look people in the eye. Slow down enough at work to care about people. Slow down and just look people in the eye. And let me just encourage you, be so generous with your smiles because they're free. And, like, do the big one, too. You know, like the big one that shows all your teeth. Just, you know, do, like, 
Be so generous with your smiles. And, and, you know, give a lot of hugs. Just start freaking people out. Just hug people all the time. Just be nice. Be generous. Listen, be generous with encouragement. I love that encouragement is like oxygen for the soul. And so, listen, go around all the time just encouraging everybody you see. Just encourage people. Like, it should be and around you should be like this. Just a big breath of fresh air. I like to put it this way. How about everywhere that we go, church, let's make it better and brighter. Everywhere. Everywhere we go. That when I walk into the room, it's better and it's brighter. That everywhere that we go in our city, we make it better and brighter. That that's something that we do. That's something that we value. Everywhere we go, we're going to intentionally add that. And so... Let me challenge you. On your way out, we have this, this sign that's right there in the middle of our lobby. And it's, it just it, we call it our acts of kindness cards. And you see these little cards that are about this size. On the front it says, here's a small gift to brighten your day, no strings attached. And we also at our info area have this little sheet of paper that tells all these different like, examples for how to do it. And I want to encourage all of you, on the way out, grab a handful of these. Make us run out. Make us reorder these. See, we have them all the time. But, you know, like make it to where we have to reorder this week because you got a handful and you keep it around and you're just constantly, you have your radar open looking for where you can meet some physical needs or some affection needs. And you go around and you just say, okay, hey, for example, show up tomorrow at work with a big old box of dozen, you know, donuts from Buskins. Or if Holtman's, that's your thing, do that. But just show up and throw a couple of these in there. See, everybody loves that. If you show up tomorrow and just do that and just have, man, I'm so thankful for Mondays. And you just throw those donuts down and like, aren't you excited for the week? You know, maybe, maybe just next time you're in a coffee shop or maybe you're in a car wash, why don't you just pay for the person behind you and just say, hey, will you just give them this? And just say, hey, no strings attached. We just want you to know that we love you. We care about you. You're just meeting needs. You know, I, I love to do that. One thing I love to do is I spend a lot of times at coffee shops. So sometimes I'll just feel like God leads me to go up to the person um, at the register and I'll say, hey, I want to pay for the next five people. And they're like so shocked every time I do it. And I'm like, hey, just trust me. It's cool. If, if you would, just maybe just share this with them. And um, then I go sit somewhere and watch. That sounds creepy, but I do. <laughs> and it's so amazing to see people's reactions. And they're blown away. And it's like, it's a $4 coffee. But maybe that's something that you could do. Maybe next time you go out to eat, maybe you just leave a real big fat tip for the person. And just kind of put that down. Just say, hey, we just care about you. You know, I love this metaphor in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Paul is writing, he says, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. And when I read that, I see so clearly that we have a job, and that's to plant to water, and God has a job to make it grow. So let me encourage you. Don't try to do God's job, and don't expect God to do your job. Let us be a church where our radar is always on, constantly looking for opportunities to plant seeds and water seeds that we're just going around planting and watering every single day, that that's what we do. And let's do what only we can do so that God can do what only he can do. I love this. I love this. I love this quote from D.L. Moody. He says, out of 100 men, one will read the Bible. The other 99 will read the Christian. 
I love that. And we're just going to be people that, that we're intentionally adding value to people, just planting seeds and watering seeds. And then here's number four. I'll end with this. It's to purposefully seek to understand their world. It's so important to purposefully seek to understand their world because we live in a world where it's too often us versus them. And it creates this toxic culture that says, if you're not on my side, then you're my enemy. Because if you don't agree with how I think, how I believe, how I live, how I vote, how I look, then, then I don't like you. And it's this us versus them mentality, and it's a tragedy when Christians in the church take the same approach. It's just us versus them. Can I tell you, church, that there's a third option? That there's a third option. And may we be people that are known for what we're for, not what we're against. That we don't take that us versus them toxic mentality. On we go where we're constantly, if you're, not, if you're not on my side, then you're against me and you're my enemy. Because you'll never be able to share Jesus with your enemies. So don't make any. In fact, I wrote this down in my notes this week. That you don't have to be like them to reach them. But you have to like them to reach them. And what I've seen is that a lot of times, maybe people that are in the church or a lot of Christians are interested in people understanding their world. But I'm not just going to ask people to enter into my world and to understand my world. I'm going to go and I'm going to enter other people's worlds. And I'm going to seek to understand your world. I'm going to seek to understand what it means to be in your shoes. I think a great sentence that we should all be using all the time in a lot of different avenues is tell me what it's like to be you. Tell me what it's like to be you. Tell me what it's like to grow up where you grew up. Tell me what it's like to be in your shoes because I don't know. And I think our world would be a whole lot of better place if we take the approach to just tell me what it's like to be you. I want to seek to understand your world. And I love this passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 because I believe Paul demonstrates this so well. And he says this, he says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, wouldn't that be nice? He says, I'm free of the demands and the expectations of everyone, but I have voluntarily became a servant to any and to all that if you have a pulse, I've come to be a servant. Why? In order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized. I love this word. Whoever. Whoever. I experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Wouldn't that be an amazing picture of what we look like on Mondays? I did all this because of the message of Jesus. I don't just want to talk about it. I want to be in on it. 
I want to live on mission. I want to make a difference. And nobody was better at this than Jesus, who was known for offending religious people for being friend of sinners. But not only that, this is why nobody can understand this more than Jesus. Because in the most ultimate act of love, Jesus left the comfort of heaven to enter our world. He came to seek to understand our world. In fact, in Hebrews it says, he was tempted in every way, just like you and me. And he, the perfect son of God, entered our world where he lived somehow a perfect life. But then he died a criminal's death on a cross, paying for our sins, but walked out of a tomb three days later, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And let me tell you why he did that. Why would he do that? Why would he leave the comfort in heaven? Because he genuinely loves you. And we grew up in church and we would sing songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know. I think sometimes we forget the magnitude of that statement. That listen, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And no matter what you've done, no matter where you are in your relationship with him, whether you've been following him for decades or maybe you've never made that decision, listen, Jesus loves you. And that's why he would do that. He really does. Like for real, he loves you. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. He wants to have a relationship with you. But Jesus, here's the thing. He's a gentleman, and he'll never force himself on you. It's always 100% your choice. So how do you make the decision? How do you make that choice to have a relationship with Jesus? Romans 10.9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that right there, that's what we call around here the most important decision of your life. And we want to give you that opportunity to make that decision right now. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And just in this moment, let's not miss this moment, but just right there in your seat, ask God, say, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying to me? What does my response need to be to this message? Because we believe that our Sundays should always affect our Mondays. Maybe, maybe ask this to God. God, what is a tangible step that I need to take today? What's a step that I need to take? And Maybe you're here and you need to make the best decision of your life, that decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here and you feel so far from God. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you have one, like, like a long time ago, but you've went off and you've lived your own life and you've done your own thing. But today you need a fresh start. We're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna do anything crazy. Here's all I wanna do. I just wanna lead you in a simple prayer. And that if you wanna be included in that prayer, in just a second, I'm gonna count to three. 
And when I count to three, if you want to be included in that prayer, you want to make the decision today to follow Jesus, whether it's for the very first time or you're making a fresh commitment today, I want you to boldly, you should be proud, put your hand in the air and say, include me in that prayer. On the count of three, if that's you, I want you to put that hand up in the air. One, two, three. Put it up and say, that's me, that's me, that's me. That's awesome, that's awesome, that's awesome, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's all. Anybody else? Anybody else? That's great. I got you. That's great. You can put your hands down and pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I love you. I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside of me? Will you change me? Will you do something that I couldn't do myself? God, will you take my balance to zero? Will you make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you, everything, and I choose to follow you. Thank you. We love you. And it's through Jesus we pray, and everybody said, amen. Come on, church. Can we clap our hands and celebrate with people that just made that decision? Come on. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com. 